This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Teaching at-risk youth how to master their thoughts gives Sharon Valenti a purpose beyond measure. As she turns inwards, however, she realizes there's a lot more work left when it comes to her own self-worth. Through all the pain and all the sorrow, she searches for a way forward. Hi, Sharon. It's good to see you. Hi, good to see you too. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. So what would you like coaching on today? Well, I'd like to explore the thought or feeling of being a fraud, specifically in business. The thought and feeling of being a fraud in business. Am I correct? Yes. So the thought is I'm a fraud or I feel like a fraud. And the feeling actually is this shrinking inside of me, just the stomach clenches kind of thing when I think about it. Uh, so the thought is that you know you are a fraud, and then the sort of the feeling is that clenching feeling. So yeah. what would be a really fantastic outcome for today? To have unerringly know I'm not a fraud in any way, shape, or form, and never have that thought come back again. Mm, to know that you are not a fraud, and to not have that thought come back again. Correct. Yeah. So this sort of feeling of being a fraud has it always followed you? If it has, I'm not so aware of it as I am right now in my own, in my own work. Um, I know that, that the not good enough piece of that has been with me a long time. I've stepped out of projects I was assigned and because I felt I couldn't do them, that I it wouldn't be good enough for that I would be a fraud, basically. So, yeah, I guess it has been with me for longer than I thought. Mm. But what's, what's the feelings or sensations around that? So my heart begins to race. I can feel that. My stomach immediately goes into the size of a baseball, this big black knot inside. The scalp tenses and my shoulders tensed. Wow, so stomach and then your shoulders. Do you want to do you want to explore this with me? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, just if you're to get relaxed. Um, you can soften your gaze, close your eyes, whatever you feel most inclined to do. 
want you to take some deep breaths in and out. And we'll just do a, like a body scan. Just want you to breathe into the different body parts I mentioned. So the head, the forehead, the eyes, the nose, the cheeks, the ears, the shoulders, your upper body, your arms, torso, lower body, your legs, your feet. Just want you to take a couple of breaths in and out. What's bubbling for you, Sharon? Well, I was following each body part as you were telling, and I was looking to see what was going on. My stomach still feels, it's the only part of my body that still feels some tightness to it. Nothing other than just moving along with you and what you were instructing me to do, mm. noticing that my stomach still feels clenched. Yeah. This, this clenching in the stomach, can you describe it? It almost feels like if you were just had just washed a, a towel and you take it and you wring it like you want to get as much water out as possible, it feels like my stomach's being wrung in that way. Mm. It's like I need to shake it out now, make it straight. Mm. Is that possible to do? I believe everything is possible. Let me see if I can do it. Okay, there's a, three clothespins holding it. There's three clothespins holding it. So it was on the lower left side. I pulled it up first to the upper right corner and then the other two corners have pegged those so they're holding mm. what if what if this doubled in size what would happen it would, it would just stretch farther in my body my body would have to accommodate it would it doesn't feel like it would come out of my body it just would stretch to longer parts inside of my body. Mm. Are the clothes springs strong enough to hold it? I think I'd need to go to 10 pegs at that point. 10 pegs. 10 pegs, because I'm visualizing almost a, a leather chamois and how that gets all soft when it's wet. And then you want to stretch that hide back out, but you need something really strong to hold it. So I'd have to go to something more like a tent peg that would keep it stretched out. Has this, um, has this sort of feeling been pervasive in different parts of your life throughout the years? Not that exact feeling, but it's always been in my stomach. It's always, if it's not been, actually today, what I'm talking about is new. Before and, and in the past, it's always felt like a very large black softball, like the size of a softball. And then when I sit and hold it, sometimes it goes red. 
And then as I just sit with it, it eventually just dissolves. Oh, it dissolves. What do you suppose the purpose for it is? Well, I think that's your solar plexus area. So it's definitely trying to create an awareness in me of what I'm thinking, what I'm believing in that moment. And I haven't questioned it. I'm just taking it at face value rather than exploring it. So it's telling me that I'm not in alignment. Um, more than anything, it's I need to take a look at what it is that I'm thinking and believing in that moment. To you know, it if it, it's real and it's not true. It's real and it's not true. Right. So the imagery, the feeling, is it's all real to me. And at the same time, I know that what I'm believing is not true. I'm creating this with my thoughts. So I would need to, that's why I want to go back and look at what I'm thinking, what I'm believing in that moment. And sometimes, like with this particular topic, I'm a fraud, or I feel like a fraud, or people will think I'm a fraud. First of all, I don't know what people will really think of me, but um, I feel the resistance against that. I feel it's real, and I'm resisting it because it's not true. At some level, I'm very sincere in what I do. Um, it's a great question. So let me think on this for a minute. Yeah, it feels very real because it's causing all this emotion in me and it's not true and I need to look at why it's coming up. It's tied in with a whole host of, of things that I've heard in my younger years of you'll never amount to anything, you'll never be good enough for this, that and the other. And when I step into what I know feels like my truth, it is my truth, that I'm hearing the echoes of that from my mother. And it's, it's a sticking point. It's still a sticking point. Um, the insignificance and not enoughness is very strong. So it feels like naturally I'm going to feel like a fraud because I've been told that I will never amount to anything. So how can I? I'll be a fraud. Hmm. Hmm. What would happen if you tapped into your heart right now? What's it doing? It's sort of opening, inviting me in. And it's a warm, comfortable, and very safe place for me to go. It represents safety. Is there any wisdom that it wants to share with you? Two things. It says don't listen to others and follow your heart. Don't listen to others and follow your heart. Do you believe it? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. If you was to resource your head, what's coming up? 
tell me, ask me that in a different way I didn't understand. If you was to resource your mind and, and your brain and, and your head based upon those two things that your heart's saying, what is it, what is it prompting you go for to it. feel? I'm hearing a go for it. It's a very strong stepping forward into that person that I truly am. It's it's like stepping over all the BS and just leaving it behind. And in the area of the stomach, if you go back to your stomach now, what's based upon those two inferences? My stomach doesn't believe it. Doesn't my stomach it. is not, no, no, my stomach is still reacting to this in a nervous sort of, yeah, it's a nervous way. It's a nervous response. What do you, what do you think the stomach would, would need to, to maybe get over this? Chocolate ice cream. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, what would it need? It would need to feel safe. The same as it would need to feel the same depth of safety that my heart feels, and my stomach doesn't feel safe. That's interesting. In your life now, how could you create more safety in that area? The image that came to mind was one of those. Um, thunder blankets for dogs you know they put around the dog to help it just not be bothered by anything so i had a visual of wrapping something like that around my stomach to make it feel safe and in control of itself and not feel threatened at all Mm, so a blanket and feel safe and not threatened Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. and that and if you did those things how do you how do you suppose it it might allow you to you know move forward i can already feel it calming down just with that visual and statement i think it would just align itself with everything else and be be one whole not this out of sorts it's almost like the spine and a disc pops out it would go back into alignment and just be in coherence with everything else i want and do And how do you suppose that this would help you in your life and what you want to sort of achieve and, and create? <coughs> Excuse me. I would be even more fearless than I am. I, I wouldn't even entertain thoughts of doubt ever. I'd always be in a position of clarity and understanding this feeling in your stomach what has it stopped you from doing sorry i can feel a tickle starting it stopped me from stepping fully out earlier in my life it has stopped me from acknowledging my own intelligence and sort of hiding behind that. Um, what else has it done? It stopped me from 
just letting other people be, not right this moment, but um, previously, I'd always have to be right. And then as I gave up that need to be right, a different aspect came in. So um, what else has it stopped me from doing? Really just stepping out and believing fully in everything that I want to do, that I am able to do it and can, will. If you were to reclaim that power, mm -hmm. what's the vision? I would be I'd be in a lot more platform speaking positions. I would be more comfortable and very not more I'd be easily promoting what I do. I'd get it enormously out there in the world. Again, I would have done it a lot sooner because um, I would have had that I know I can do it feeling the body would be complete is completely in alignment. I would trust my intuition. I would listen to it. I do trust it. I would listen to it a lot more than what I do and let it guide me into wonderful things. So Sharon, how can you create more action steps? Do it anyway. Whatever my plan is, move through the self-created fear and have a quick conversation with my stomach ahead of time to get its act together, be in alignment. It's safe. Even if I had to do the visualization of the warm blanket, comfort blanket around it. And intellectually, I know there's never anything to be afraid of. Um, but those darn underworld thoughts just want to run the life. And I would not listen to those anymore. They've stopped me for too long. I would, I do believe in myself and my abilities. And I would train my body to follow that. Because wherever the mind goes, the body's going to go. And so that includes my stomach. And what about resources? Can you use any resources at your disposal? Um, <coughs> excuse me, my husband's a licensed psychologist, so I could certainly use his services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have friends that do similar work to me. I have a wonderful support system around me that we bounce this kind of thing off if we really feel it's a problem. And thank you, because I never really sat and looked at the body recently to see that the stomach is still the problem mm. feels good right now mm. and, and so how, how would you hold yourself accountable to sort of move forward I mean you described the feeling in the stomach as being something that's been there for a while mm -hmm. so what's the prescription for moving forward is that what you're asking me? No, I'm okay. just asking how how you can create more accountability for yourself, you know, knowing that this is such a big thing in your life. Give me a hint. <laughs> well, 
obviously when my, when I'm anytime I'm doubting something, I need to immediately just stop and check in and see what's going on. And that right there should nip it in the bud, I would hope. You know, because I I'd sit, I'd scan, see where I'm feeling it. If it's a stomach, again, I would have to do some visualization, but I would also check in to see what thoughts are running through my head and are they true? Because I'm doing it to me. Nobody else is, nobody's around me. Um, so the accountability really would just be checking in with myself when I feel uncomfortable, anytime I'm uncomfortable, physically, emotionally, and just see what it was that I was believing in that moment or thinking in that moment. Mm. And if I'm reaching out to my friends, and I've left voice messages saying, oh, today I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm so frustrated with what I'm working on. You know, that kind of thing. But And writing. For me, writing stuff out, usually, usually whatever will bubble to the surface in my writing as well. Like a brain dump. Mm. Mm. May I offer you a resource if you're open to it? I am open to it. Sure. Have you ever read the book Taming Your Gremlin? No, I haven't. Let me write yeah. that down. It's from an author named Rick Carson. He basically speaks to the imposter syndrome. Um, and he just sort of states for himself that he uses taming gremlin fighting methods. So his is different than mine. I, mine is from the movie Ghostbusters. I basically zap my gremlin in a box. And sort of the premise or the thought with imposter syndrome is that it never can die. You can only control when it shows up and how it shows up. Thank you. What's Rick's, that. what's Rick's last name? Carson. Thank you. Taming your gremlin. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Sure. So Sharon, we spoke a lot in the beginning about sort of this feeling of, you know, a very un uneasy feeling and then sort of going into your stomach about, you know, being a fraud. How, how is this, how is this feeling for you now? I feel good. My stomach is fine. I feel the whole body feels good right now. Mm. So and, from the good. Sorry, and in just what you drew out of me, I feel the internal shift of that too. Talking out loud about what I'm feeling is very helpful because I can see it more clearly when I get it out rather than keep it in, and. Again, it's that, it's that lie against the truth. Intellectually, I certainly know I'm not a fraud. But I keep wanting to tell this lie to myself because I've heard it for so long. And it's perfect practice will make perfect. So I have to keep perfecting the, the opposite of feeling like a fraud. Yeah. You also mentioned about your mom which mm -hmm. is a touchy subject. Is there any way you can resolve those feelings somehow? Um, I've come to, so I've done quite a, a bit of work around both of my parents and I'm able to see my mother in my mind's eye and feel absolute compassion for her. And, and as I moved out of my self-centeredness and I started looking 
more little bits and pieces she told me over her life. When I sat with it, I was able to have this compassion because she was telling me in all her little ways what an unhappy childhood she had. And her parenting style, her abuse and all that fun stuff, I, I can only imagine was her way of, of expressing all her hurt feelings. Does that mean that she doesn't love me? I don't know. And it doesn't matter. What I do know is everybody in every given moment, in every second, is doing the best they can. The next second, they might do something wicked. And then the moment after that, regret it. But in that mindset that we're in in that moment, that is the best. So I've looked at both of them, and I'm not a... Um, I'm not one to use forgiveness simply, and I'd like to explain that if I may. I'd rather go into acceptance because then I can say, okay, accept that's who you are, accept that's what you did. I don't like it or condone it. I really don't want anything else to do with you. Or I accept you and I'll still have something to do with you, but I'm mindful of you. If I forgive them, it's always going to stick in the back of my mind that they did something wrong. And I'm still kind of holding that against them. And of course the forgiveness, we, we say we forgive you because we believe we did something wrong. So if you think about that, why would I forgive them when they were the wrongdoers? That I can, I can, I know as a child, I was innocent. So if I just accept that's who they are, that's who he is, she is, then there's more peace in that for me. Peacefulness, I should say. So, yes, you know, both are, both are um, in non-physical form these days. And, and they are who they are. You know, I don't know what their real growing up lives were or what moved or motivated them to do the things they did, and that's their business. I'm just glad I survived it and moved on. And I'm one of those that took action to work through it and leave a lot of it behind me. Yeah. Keep working on that piece of it too. You know, so there'll, there'll be things, I mean, seriously, there was some, so in all the inquiring I did, especially with my mom, around my mom, I should say, all the things that she said, and I looked at all the things that I took on as beliefs, there was still some sticking point. And, and the one recurring thought, even though I'd done a ton of work around it, was um, you'll never amount to anything. And I was like, why does that keep sticking? What's, what is I'm, what am I not getting? And on one of my morning walks a couple weeks ago, the word insignificant came up. I said, that was the word. I've looked at... I've looked at unlovable, unlikable, distances, but insignificant. So I felt insignificant every time she would say that to me. And so, and some of the other things I noticed, I was actually trying to prove her right. And that's another reason I held myself back, unconsciously, obviously. But I, yep, you're right, I'll never amount to anything. And then when insignificant came up, 
It was like the light switch. Everything lit up inside of me. And I thought, I'm not insignificant. And it's gone like that. It was it was remarkable, wow. truly. But it took a long time for that word to surface, you know, and I just knew right away that was my sticking point there. And it's gone. Completely wow. gone. Wow. So I'm free. So, wow. So if this was a book, what would you title this new chapter of yours? Always spoken about or the moving forward part of it? All Any of it, Sharon. All of it. This is life. This is life. Yeah, because I'm not exclusive in the things that my parents did to me. It was almost like a generational thing. We all heard the same children should be seen and not heard. And do you think money grows on trees? And which it actually does because it's made of paper and trees, <laughs> you know, so they got that one wrong. But, um, you know, we all heard things that took root in us at whatever belief we garnered with it. And this is life and how we choose to handle it. We can remain a victim for all of our life or we can move ourselves beyond that. It's a choice. It's a choice to stay a victim or set yourself free. And once upon a time, I didn't believe that statement. I thought, oh, woe is me, you know, Murphy's Law. We all said, Murphy's Law, you know, I hate Murphy's Law. You know, if, I'd be like, oh yeah, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen to me, of course. And of course, that's where my attention was. So of course I'd be assaulted with all these negative things. And once I made up my mind, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to get myself out of it, but I did notice the right book, the right person, the right YouTube, something came along that created these little like, oh, look at that Wayne Dyer, you know, some of his books. And I was like, and Louise Hay, and I'd be like, oh, I never thought about it like that. You know, all that mirror work that Louise Hay talks about. I'd look in that mirror and I'd be, I love you. Oh my God, look at those wrinkles, you know. But that's what the mirror work is for. It's to see what comes up to be looked at. And I didn't know that for a very long time. I just thought we're practicing these affirmations until we actually believe them, which in a way we are. But if I don't believe I love myself and there's something underneath that, I'll never love myself until I find out what it is that's making me feel so unlovable. And that's where it's beautiful, that mirror work. You know, what comes up? Ew, let's write it down. Let's notice what you're thinking, right? Yeah. This because, is life. Yeah, because what you said, this is life. And on that yeah. note, I would love to transition into the interview portion. So tell my audience more about you, your work, your passions, your drives. So what I currently do, dabbled a bit with mom and dad and all the that we had alcoholism we had sexual abuse my son died you know all this this is life it's all part of this is life and and um i really despised my mother for years and years and years and and uh i didn't know how to escape her and and then as time went on and moved into adulthood and that moment I chose not to be a victim, everything I needed came to me to help me move beyond that. And as a result of a really tsunami-like childhood, I have such a strong passion to help at-risk teens today. And 
you know, they live in a dark place and we, I didn't have the internet when we grew up. So today, of course, there's all the um, social media accounts. And what I think is happening with a lot of those and these kids that are committing suicide and they, they believe they're so worthless, that they're so unimportant, that they, they feel so disconnected. And when they're posting out there and they're checking the likes, they're taking those likes personally. They're not realizing the person is liking what you posted. They're not, it's not about liking you or disliking you. They're just simply, they either like the post or they don't. You either like chocolate ice cream or you like vanilla ice cream or you like the combination, right? It's not about the ice cream itself. And in what I do is I, is I do, we offer online courses and every once in a while I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. And they're designed with the very first lesson to help them uncover all these dark underlying beliefs so that they're all coming up very quickly. And then the rest of the courses, we're taking each one of those beliefs and matching it to a situation that caused them to feel that way. And we're filtering it down to see if it's true. It's not, I'm not looking to heal or make anyone feel better. We're looking for the truth about what you're believing. You'd be better off dead. People wouldn't miss you. How do you know? How do you know someone won't miss you? You know, is that really true? You don't think your mom, your dad, your friends, your dog, somebody's going to miss you. But that's what I meant. It's real and it's not true. Because in their mind, that's so real. But it's not true. It's just the story. We are conjurers constantly, all day long. And, um, you know, like I could say, is your, is your shirt blue or purple? Blue? I could say, blue. I could say, oh, you got a blue shirt on. And your mind could say, oh, I knew I should have put the green one on. She hates it. Da, 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 da. Because that's what we do. Should I bite the collar up more? All I said was, oh, I see you got a blue shirt on. We do stuff like that all the time. And it's the same with these kids. The parent, when they're very young, um, mom says, if you don't get your homework done by this time, you're not getting any dessert. And the kid hears, she doesn't like me. She doesn't love me. She hates me. Whatever it is, and it's a quick unconscious, and it's not what mom said at all, but it's what we do, and especially when we're little, in those real formulative years. How we know to even have those kind of beliefs, that I don't know how to answer yet, unless we're bringing it from other lives or something that we didn't resolve. I mean, I really don't know, because it is like, how can a three or four-year-old or two-year-old even have a vocabulary for mommy doesn't love me, mommy doesn't like me, my friends hate me. We, we don't have that vocabulary, but we're able to take those beliefs on. And so we become what we, what we believe about ourselves, and we will attract to us. I, I know that to be true. I mean, my life, my early life was attracting all the wrong guys to me for all the wrong reasons and that was tied in with my father molesting me and with my mother and the aggression and the abuse it's all I knew it was such a familiarity of course I'm I feel out of my 
depth, if I'm around niceness and kindness, I look at it in my friends' households and I think to myself, I want their mom. I wish I had a life like that. And and I'd be thinking more about my own household. So I just kept attracting that. Moved out of my parents' house, attracted aggressive female friends, violent male friends, until that day I said, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. And so having been through that, it's my purpose, my mission, my goal, my passion to help the young teens now before they have to become 50 or 60 or 70, before they start changing them. And while they have a chance now to break these patterns and cycles and exchange them for new ones, it's possible, but they have to, they have you know, they have to hurt enough or wanted enough, but not to the point of, I'm going to kill myself and go through with it. I know many of them have that thought. Now, there are some that truly have, um, I don't know the right term, but an internal condition that would require medication, would require maybe a psychiatrist. So I'm not making claims to be a doctor. I do know, though, taking them through the process that I do offers a lot of clarity and it's it's so simple they got it for the rest of their life i mean it's that it's that simple they've got these tools to use forever yeah so sharon so i have you know nieces and nephews and you know they're off to college but i often sort of see around me you know kids their age you know for someone who's listening who's sort of struggling or has kids who are struggling where's a good place to start to get them on the right path Send them to me. I'm serious because, you know, remember when parents out there, remember when we were teens? Our parents were the last people we wanted to talk to most of the time. We would migrate to friends who were just like us. You know, kids that get involved in gangs, that it's just like adults who, who are still doing drugs or alcohol and become the alcoholics and the drug addicts. It's looking for answers in all the wrong places. So they join the gangs because it might be the first time they've ever had the, just attention. Forget what good or bad. It's attention. It's, oh, I can go do all these bad things and make myself feel important because they're going to think I'm wonderful. Again, looking for love in all the wrong places. As, as a parent, and actually having gone through this with my son, he was such a lost soul and... He, he felt like nothing he would ever do would be good enough for me or anybody else in his life. That wasn't something I ever said, you know, oh, you're not good enough. It was something that he adopted, and I saw such an emptiness in his eyes. I mean, he had dead eyes, literally. Wow. I've got this one picture of him, and I can still see that. And I've often, I've had time to reflect, obviously, and I've thought, if only... He could have gone through the programs that I've gone through or do what I teach and sit down and look at that. You know, is it true you'll never be good enough for somebody else? I mean, the, oftentimes we as parents don't know what our kids' beliefs are. We just know that they're isolating in their room or we might be aware that they're doing drugs. You take them for their traditional counseling and that counselor's got all the, you know, so what do you want to talk about? Nothing. Okay, well, we'll just sit here till you're ready to talk. I'm not knocking 
the professional field. To me, that's not getting to the heart of something, though. You know, I, I offer something. They have their own writing session in the beginning. Right away, I've got them interacting. They don't have a choice. And they're going to interact in a, in a painful way, in a, in, a, in a way, because the first thing they're going to do is write a letter to the person who hurt them the most. And this gets everything out. A lot of anger comes up in that lot of tears, sadness. But as I said, we, we isolate all the beliefs in that second paragraph in this process. A parent can't get their kid to do that. The kids feel frightened of the parent. They're going to get in trouble or the parent's going to hold it against them in some way or they're going to tell somebody else about it. And while we love our parents, they're not the ones who really can help us with our problems. So for a parent, I mean, certainly try traditional counseling if you think that's the route you want to go. Some parents nowadays are into very um, homeopathic kinds of ways. Um, I've I've had a very close friend who went that route, and her husband, her uh, her one son, was that close to committing suicide, and he told uh-huh. her. And it was like, he needs some other kind of medication that will stabilize him right now. Because if you have long-term, untreated, long-term depression, it will become a permanent thing. Nobody wants to think that there's something wrong with them. Even adults, you know, oh my God, I gotta take blood pressure. Maybe I get my blood pressure. So, you know, we can't, it's hard for people to acknowledge. That's why in the 12-step programs, they say one day at a time, just for today. And so, with these kids to be, they're already feeling so crappy about themselves. Now I'm going to slap another label on me. I have mental illness. I hate that word personally. I don't know another word for it. But now it's, doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make you really want to be uplifted in life? No, now I've got mental illness in, on top of the depression, on top of hating my parents, on top of my friends not caring about me. So just by helping them identify the different situations that are creating this thought and going through the process of let's find out if they're true, applying them against some questions and helping them see I'm the one who's saying I'm not good enough. I'm the one, you know, my mom said it one time or the friend said it one time. I said it a thousand times, right? We do that. We repeat things over and over and over. We are doing it to ourselves. And once you become extremely aware of that, then you can break that cycle of doing that. Or you can be in that mood in that moment and really understand this is going to pass because your mind is saying, I know it's not true, but man, I feel like crap right now, da, 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 da. But the awareness is this isn't true. It feels true, but it's not true. And can a parent do that with their child? If you have a unique relationship with them, but again, did you want anything to do with your parents when you were growing up? Would you have told them, you know, all the little horrible things that were going through? No, we wanted to get away from our parents. They were the jailers, right? Mm, yeah. My mom, so, my, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, no, go ahead. Well, I had things like my mother was extremely old-fashioned. In addition, I was not allowed to wear makeup until I was 21 years old. I mean, and you know, here's all my friends, like, cool and, and not Sharon, you know. And she said, why would I ever go to my mother and talk to her? You know, she didn't understand. Yeah. yeah. You know, so for this work, where do you see it going? Like, what are your goals and aspirations with it? 
So because my focus now really is the at-risk youth, and of course I'm talking to the parents, marketing to them because many of them are at wit's ends, and get them at least the foundation of this started. I'd like to go into schools, and I'd like to see if I could get into the, what's that, um, that one where it's they don't it's not a proper class. I'm sorry, I'm blanking oh, out. Yes, I... but make it like an elective. So so offer those that want to come and sit down at the front with me and do this because it's something that they could do together. If they can feel comfortable about displaying their emotions, they can help one another. They can facilitate one another. I'd like to get out there and be on platforms sharing this. I'd love to be on Mind Valley one day and and really show how simple this is. Give demonstrations of it around wherever I can so that everybody can experience it now. And I have a phenomenal um, gal who's doing social media who has been through all of this so she totally relates to it so she's absolutely putting the right things out there and then advertising wherever it takes me that's awesome that's such a great you know vision and aspiration for the future so um, I absolutely loved our conversation today um, can you tell my audience where they can find you on the internet certainly you, we have two websites, blueprintforstressrelease.com and an easier one to remember, isittrue.com, isittrue.com. And if you'd like one-on-one call with me to do a little more understanding or questions that you might have, reach out at info at isittrue.com. Wonderful. <coughs> well, thank you, Sharon. I really appreciate our time, t- our time today. I really, really appreciate it. Me too. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. I hope your listeners got something out of it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.